Good morning, and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study, presented by the Southwest Church of Christ, Austin, Texas. Holding forth the Word of Life to present all people perfect in Jesus Christ. And now your host, Cody Westbrook. Good morning and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study brought to you by the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I'm Cody Westbrook, your host and preacher for the Southwest Congregation. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me today to the Old Testament book of Zechariah. And I want us to begin in a few moments in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10. And while you're opening your Bibles to that section, let let me just remind you that at the end of this month, December the 29th, the Word of Life radio Bible study will have its last radio broadcast. And at the beginning of next year, we will transition to the Word of Life podcast. And so, as always, we want to remind you to visit our website, www.swcofc.org. And if you'll look at the website, you'll notice that there's already a link to a podcast where we put all of the sermons uh, that are preached at the Southwest Congregation. But we'll also be adding a Word of Life podcast uh, on the website as well. So, again, please visit and check the website regularly Uh, so that you can stay up to date with all of the changes and things that we're doing here at the Southwest Congregation. Now, as we turn our attention to Zechariah chapter 12, we need to be reminded of a few things. First of all, it was 586 B.C. when God's people realized the full measure of their sin. The Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, whom God described as my servant in the book of Jeremiah, marched into Jerusalem for the third time and destroyed it and carried away the final group of God's people into Babylonian captivity. That captivity began around 605 B.C. and was completed in about 536 B.C., when Cyrus the Persian issued the decree releasing the Jews to go back to their homeland and to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem to rebuild their home. It was during this time, the time of rebuilding, that folks like Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai were uh, rose up and worked and served God. But there was also a prophet during this time named Zechariah, And this prophet, Zechariah, spoke of returning to the leadership and the power of God in Israel. Now, with that in mind, we turn our attention to Zechariah 12, verse 10 through 14. And I'd like for us to read that section of Scripture together. Zechariah 12, 10 says this, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, Then they will look on me whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. In that day there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem like the mourning at Hadad-Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of Shimei by itself and their wives by themselves, 
all the families that remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. Now, we're not left to guess what the prophet Zechariah was talking about in these verses, because in the New Testament book of John, chapter 19 and verse 37, the Holy Spirit gives us the divine application. In John chapter 19 and verse number 37, we're reading about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 19, 37, uh, 36 and 37, the scripture says this, For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken, and another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they've pierced. And that's Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10. So when we're reading Zechariah 12, 10 through 14, what we're reading about prophetically is the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as we continue into chapter 13, verse number 1, we read about something else that's going to happen on the occasion of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Zechariah 13, 1 says. In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. In that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. Again, we turn our attention to the New Testament and we read John 1 verse 29 where John saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 and 14, my Bible says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then again in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says that Jesus has loved us and has washed us in his own blood. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 through 14, the prophet Zechariah saw the gruesome death of our Lord Jesus Christ by crucifixion. But in Zechariah 13, verse 1, he saw the results of that crucifixion, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for all mankind so that sin and uncleanness may be forgiven. Zechariah 13 and verse number 1. This morning, we want to think more about this fountain that Zechariah saw in Zechariah 13, verse 1, for sin and uncleanness, particularly in regard to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, in verse number 28, the Apostle Paul said of Jesus that he has loved the church and that he has purchased the church with his own blood. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, that blood was for the forgiveness of sin, and that blood was the purchase price necessary for purchasing the church of Jesus Christ. I invite you to open your Bibles with me now to Ephesians chapter 1, and I want us to think for the rest of our time this morning about the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ purchased the church. The church is the purchased possession. In the book of Ephesians, we read about the church of Jesus Christ exalted 
and magnified from beginning to end. And in the first chapter of this book, the Apostle Paul, in the first half of the chapter, the first 14 or so verses, he talks about three things in regard to the church. He says that the church was planned by the Father, that it was purchased by the Son, and that it was perfected by the Spirit. I want you to notice with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, what the Apostle Paul writes about the purchasing of the church of Christ. Notice this. In Him, that is, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. When we read Ephesians 1, 7-10, Zechariah 13, 1, and John 1, 29, and Hebrews 9, 13 and 14, and Revelation 1, 5, and a host of other passages come to our minds because this passage tells us that Jesus Christ purchased the church with His blood. Paul uses the word redemption in verse number 7, and the word redemption means basically to rescue or to set free by paying a price. This word has a rich history in the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 15 through 19, we read, for example, about a worshiper under the Mosaic law who would be able to redeem some item or object. He would be able to rescue it or set it free or buy it back by paying a price. And then in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25 and following, we read about uh, redeeming someone who had sold themselves into servitude in order to pay a debt. We also read throughout the Old Testament of those who rescued that which was forfeited and restored justice to those who could not help themselves. And the Old Testament will use this term or this idea of redemption in reference to those things. Even God himself in the Old Testament is described as a redeemer. There is this word or this idea of the goel or the near kinsman redeemer. A person sells himself into slavery, and it's the near kinsman redeemer who goes and and purchases him back. And so the kinsman redeemer plays a number of roles in the process of redemption. But listen to Exodus 6, verse 6. This is God speaking, and he says this, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Notice, I am going to be the goel. I am going to redeem you or purchase you or set you free or buy you back. And then in Isaiah 63 and verse number 9, Scripture says this, In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bare them and he carried them in the days of old. Notice, because of his love and pity or literally mercy or compassion, he redeemed them. He purchased them. He set them free. So in the Old Testament, the word, this idea of redemption has a rich, rich history. But then we turn our attention to the New Testament and we read a passage like Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. 
And in this passage, we find a beautiful definition of the word redemption in the New Testament context when the Apostle Paul, speaking of Jesus Christ, makes this statement, "...who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works." Notice, Jesus gave himself for us. That's sacrifice. That's talking about the cross. That he might redeem us. That he might purchase us, buy us back, set us free. This New Testament word, it means literally ransoming one from some hostile power which has possession over him. This brings to our mind the book of Romans, chapter 6 in particular, where the Apostle Paul describes sin, he personifies it as a, a dictator, an evil ruler, or a tyrant. And he talks about the fact that we under sin are servants to sin, but because of the blood of Christ Jesus, when we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we are set free from sin, and we are no longer the slaves or the servants of sin, but rather we are the slaves or the servants of righteousness. Now we're talking about the fact that the church is the purchased possession. That Jesus shed his blood on the cross in order to purchase, in order to buy the church. He bought us back from the slavery of sin by shedding his blood. Let's think a little bit more about this term redemption. When we think of the term redemption, there are three passages, or excuse me, three points that ought to come to our mind every time, and here they are. Number one, something once possessed is lost. In Romans 3.23, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In James chapter 1 and verse number 15, the Bible tells us that a man sins whenever a desire has conceived and it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 tells us that sin separates us from God. When we're born into this world, we are born into a state of complete harmony and fellowship with God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 that sin is committed. Sin is not inherited. In fact, in Ezekiel 18 and verse 20, the Bible says that the Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, nor the Father the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the iniquity of the unrighteous shall be upon him. So this doctrine that exists in our world called Calvinism, which suggests that children are born in sin and depraved, that's false doctrine. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that we are born pure and free and innocent. But when we sin, and we all do, Romans 3.23, when we sin, that relationship, harmony, fellowship with God, that's forfeit. Something once possessed is lost. And then point number two, a price must be paid. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, the scripture says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse number 11, the Bible says that it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. The life of the flesh is in the blood, God said, and it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And I've given it to you upon the altar because it makes atonement for the soul. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, we read this, 
knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. When we sin, that relationship with God that we possessed, that is forfeit, it's lost. And in order for that relationship to be restored, a price must be paid. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.22, Leviticus 17.11, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19, Acts 20 and verse 28. He loved the church and gave his life for it. A price must be paid. And then number three, a power must be broken. In Genesis 3 and verse 15, as God spoke to the serpent, he made this statement. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It will bruise or crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Prophetically, God was looking forward to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in that statement. It's the first messianic prophecy, and it refers to the ultimate defeat over sin and death and its power that Jesus accomplished in his death and his burial and his resurrection. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 29, Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He's talking about the fact that he came into this world, he entered into the devil's domain, if you will, and he beat him, he defeated him on his own territory. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 and following, we read this, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Something once possessed is lost. A price must be paid, and a power must be broken. When we sin, we, we are separated from God. In order for that relationship to be, to be repaired, a price must be paid. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Christ, the victory of Christ over sin and death, it defeated the devil and it broke the power of the devil and the power of death. That power is broken. There's one more passage that I want us to consider this morning before we run out of time. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Keeping in mind this whole idea or this whole biblical teaching of the church being the purchased possession, of the blood of Christ being precious and that which has purchased the church, notice how Paul describes our responsibility, how we must react to that, to that truth. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Notice, you are not your own, which means literally, I belong to God. You are bought with a price. That's talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There isn't a single part of me that belongs to me. That's the idea. And so because I am not my own, because I am solely the possession and the uh, property of God, because I have been bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of Christ Jesus, my responsibility is to glorify God in body and spirit, to glorify Him in everything that I have. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that uh, should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. Our responsibility as the purchased possession is to always be mindful of the blood of Christ Jesus and to show our gratitude for that sacrifice by sacrificing ourselves to His service and His honor and His glory. That's all the time that we have this morning. But we do thank you for joining us today and for studying God's Word. Again, we remind you to visit our website, www.swcofc.org. You'll notice, if you haven't visited in uh, lately, that there have been uh, a great number of changes to the website, and there are more on the way. And so we encourage you to visit and check back regularly. We also want to invite you to come and worship with us at the Southwest Congregation if you have opportunity. Our worship times and our location and our contact information will be provided in just a few moments. Thank you for being with us here today, and we invite you to come back again next Sunday morning, Lord willing, as we open up the Bible and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. Thank you for joining us today on the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. You're cordially invited to join us at the Southwest Church of Christ for Bible class this morning at 9.30, worship at 10.30, and again at 6 this evening. We also meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening for Bible class. If you would like to have a copy of today's program, please write or call us. We're located at 8900 Manchac Road, Austin, Texas, 78748. You can call us at 512-282-2486 or find us on the web at www.swcofc.org. We hope you will join us again next Sunday morning as we continue our study of God's Word.